Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Language Lounge. And we are going to talk AI again. I'm talking to Maureen Lamb today. And Maureen, we have talked to a couple times about uh, various topics on the Language Lounge. And you're a guest I love having back. Um, and so we're going to talk about something that I think is on everyone's mind all the time, and that is AI. But we're going to talk about it with a different sort of spin. So why don't you kind of introduce yourself and let's kind of introduce the topic of where we're going to go today having to do with AI. So go ahead, Maureen. Thanks so much for having me back, Michelle. It's always such a pleasure to speak with you. Um, Like Michelle said, my name is Maureen Lamb. I am the Dean of Faculty, the Dean of Academic Technology and Innovative Pedagogy, and the Latin teacher at the Ethel Walker School in Simsbury, Connecticut. And I am so excited to be here today to talk about a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is AI for differentiation. One of the things that I think is the most powerful thing that AI can do right now is to help differentiate materials so that our materials can reach more students and also to create abilities for students to study in ways that work for them. And so I wanted to talk about some of the tools I'm using in my classroom and also talk about some of the ways that teachers can use AI to help them differentiate. Because I know if we could, we would do differentiated lessons for all of our students all the time. But before now, Time has been a real issue. And one of the things that AI can do is help us to be more effective teachers by allowing us the time (laughs) to do this so that we can focus our attentions on other things, which is fantastic. I think that I think that is so important. We talked about um, a lot of times the conversation around AI talks about being more productive, right? We're more productive. We can do all of these things. And it all and it's like, oh, well, we can take something off our table, right? Mm -hmm. You know, take something off our plate. But I think really a lot of times, um, obviously, it's not a nine to five job. It's not a 40 hours a week job to do it really well. And so sometimes we're not taking something off of our plate. Mm -hmm. We're putting, we're being able to put something on our plate that we couldn't do before, right? So like a differentiation to me is one of those things that I believe in. I I always Mm -hmm. want to kind of focus on that. But man, it's hard, right? I mean, it takes time. It takes expertise trying to tier documents and to do these things and to meet those needs. And I always had a struggle in the classroom. And I know I talked to a lot of teachers. It's like, yeah, I believe in it. But but how do I do this with 150, 200 students and, you know, all of these circumstances? And so to me, like, AI and what we're going to talk about today, it's not about taking something off your plate, or if it is taking one thing off, what are you being able to put on, you know, being able to do now because you have this tool to help you, right? And so I love the thought of, you know, really looking at differentiation and maybe, you know, AI will um, give teachers some ideas or we'll be able to give some teachers some ideas of how you can do things that you couldn't do before, right. um, either because of expertise or, or time. So let's kind of start right there. So what is what is a great place that you'd like, you know, the number one thing you'd like to say or something that you've learned about being able to differentiate for the students in your classroom, mm-hmm. um, especially those maybe that are, you know, neuro, you know, have neuro neurodiversities and different things like that. So why don't you go ahead and give us a a preview of your class and what you've learned? Absolutely. I would say that um, one of the things that really helps is you have so many different options now with AI to enter in what you're going to be doing for your lesson. 
and get so many different ideas for activities. Now, as we know, and as we have to keep in mind, AI is generative. It is not creative. It's using its algorithms to find out things that people have done before you. And I think that as good teachers, we are constantly drawing upon things others have done before us and trying to make it our own. And so I see this really as no different from when you get those ideas for activities, when you're going to a conference or when you're talking to a friend who's also a language teacher and getting ideas from them. This time you're just using a computer to do that and you're using a technology to do that. So let's say I'm teaching about Perpetua in my class. I can go in and I can create a prompt that is very specific about Perpetua. And the more specificity you give AI, the better you're going to get. And so, for example, I could say, please make me a lesson about the writings of Perpetua for three classes that are 45 minutes each with activities and an assessment. And I would type this in something like ChatGPT. I have ChatGPT 4 because I have the paid version, but you can also do this in ChatGPT 3. It just might not give you as much information. And so when I put that in, it will give me down to the minute what I can do in each class and different activities for each class. Now, that does not mean that I'm going to take that blindly and just use that, but it will give me a lot of ideas because I think I'm not alone in saying that as a teacher, sometimes I get activity block and I just want to do something a little different with my students and I want to vary yeah. things up. And I think it's to the advantage of the students to try to do a wide variety of activities so that I'm engaging students in different ways and being more inclusive. Because if I'm doing the same activity every single day, that's not going to be reaching all students. And so getting ideas for different activities from something like ChatGPT saves time because it's something I would do anyway by getting activities, by reading blogs online, by talking to people, by looking at conference presentations. But there's something wonderful about having it accessible through an AI tool, especially if you can get it for free. I know some of the AI tools out there that I really enjoy that are free are things like Canva for education. So I can go in and ask for lesson plans and activities from Canva and it's completely free for educators and it's a very powerful tool. So that's that's probably my number one is thinking of activities. Because I, I agree. Activity fatigue ever. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I like that you mentioned too, like you're not gonna take it just like whether somebody hands you a sub plan mm -hmm. or somebody gives you their amazing lesson plan, doesn't right. matter how much it is, you still have to tweak it to match your style, your students, your situation, you know, but it's a, it's a great place to start. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a great, you know, a, a wonderful, um, entry point that then let's say you took that prompt that you just said, mm -hmm. now, how can you take that further to be able to then differentiate for different sort of students besides just a variety of activities? Because we do know that having a variety of activities that tap into what mm -hmm. different students, you know, um, strengths are is going to be helpful. So that by itself is going to allow you to be able to differentiate on a very right. broad level in your classroom just by having yep. a variety of things that you're going to do. Um, but what other things can you do then to take it a step further? Absolutely. I think um, something that used to take me ab so many hours would be creating tiered readings for my students. And I think that one of the real advantages about AI is that you can create tiered readings so fast. It, many of the AI um, that's out there is very familiar with the ACTFL standards. So if I say, 
please take this tier, this reading. I was doing this the other day in Canva. I said, take Caesar de Bello Gallico 1.1 and create um, novice tiers for it. And not only did it give me novice tiers, it said, here is novice one, two, three, and four, and gave me four different tiers of what that could look like. And it does this for multiple languages right now. It doesn't even mention Latin, but Latin is one of the languages it does well. And I think it's really important to stay up to date on which AI works for which languages too, because it changes so fast. Canva was no good for Latin just a couple months ago, and now it's fantastic. Grammatical, wonderful Latin is coming out of it. And so I think um, the more you can revisit things and see, the smarter AI is getting in a lot of ways, especially with languages. So that tiered readings are a big one for me. Another thing is actually story creation. I like to use storytelling because I know storytelling is a very accessible way at reaching students, but oftentimes there's not a wide variety of stories available. And while I love writing stories and that's actually a passion of mine, I don't always have time during the school year to write a wide variety of stories for students. And so what I like to do is use AI to write stories. And again, the more specific your prompt, the better you're going to get. And so, for example, in Latin, I was asking it to write me a story about a sad cow at the novice level, sheltering vocabulary. And so it gave me a story. And then I realized that there were so many different tenses that my students wouldn't be able to tell what was going on. So then I had it rewrite the story in Latin just using the present tense. And that actually worked a lot better. So sometimes you're going to have to tweak your prompt in order to get exactly what you want. But at the same time, it will give you a wonderful starting point to think about. And so it will give you a story. It will give you the beginning, the middle, and the end. It really thinks of, even if you're giving it a very simple prompt, it really thinks about the details. Just like I was saying when I had three 45-minute classes that it was helping me create, it gave me down-to-the-minute detail. When it gives you a story, it will take what you said, and it will give you a beginning, middle, and end. They'll do something intriguing. It'll... It'll really take it and run with it. And that doesn't mean you have to use, again, exactly what it gives you. But at the same time, you have an opportunity to have a really good starting point. And again, if I had all the time in the world, would I love writing these stories? Absolutely. But with four preps and a lot on my plate, I don't always have that time. And it's kind of fun to say, ooh, students, take a look at this. Look at what AI came up with you. And I think it's important, too, to acknowledge things when you're getting things from AI to let students know that you're using AI to help with these certain things. Because I think if we can model responsible use of AI and attribution, our students will see that, okay, well, when it's appropriate, we can use AI. And also there are times when it's not appropriate to use AI and it's good to have that communication. Um, so those are the big things I use with AI. I would have to say for um, probably the third and in some cases, most important, I think there are so many tools out there for students studying to help them study in a different way. Uh, my favorites right now are using um, Quizlet Magic Notes and Quizlet QChat because that way students, QChat has, is basically an AI tutor. It will individually go through a set with students in a way that feels comfortable for them. And Magic Notes will take their notes and make sets, questions, and be able to go through it with them with QChat after they add their notes. 
So it's wonderful to have these opportunities for students to get that kind of feedback um, that they may not be able to get in class. And if you had the time to give everyone individual feedback, you would be able to do. But as we know, time is such a precious commodity. Uh, absolutely. And I think that what I hear you say, which I think is so cool, is that I, I just feel like there's so many things that I believed in as a teacher and as a person and educator and like personalization is one of them. But mm -hmm. again, trying to personalize things for even one out of seven classes, like oh, even, cool. even if I had seven Spanish ones, yeah. trying to personalize stories based on that particular class and their interests, I might have a class that, you know, has a lot of musicians in it. Ooh. And then my next class has a lot of athletes in it. And, Ooh. you know, just even doing any of that, let alone to a personalized, like you study best this way. Yeah. Like, Oh, look at this. Like, like, look at this tool that can help you learn it the best way. Right. And, you know, without having lots of different apps, lots of different websites, lots <laughs> of different resources that overwhelm, I right. just feel like there's so many possibilities, um, you know, for both teachers creating those resources mm -hmm. and then students, you know, kind of figuring out how to, you know, consume and how to use those as well. Um, so you're very, it sounds like you're very open with your students yeah. that you're using, um, you know, chat GPT or, or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. Do they ever have questions or do they ever, how do they react to you, you're just, you discussing this with them? I think they're intrigued by the possibilities, but I think it's really important that when I have these conversations with my students, I'm very upfront with the fact that I actually want to hear their voice. And that's why I think AI can be a slippery slope because mm -hmm. I want to stay positive about how it can be used as a wonderful tool. But at the same time, there is nothing more powerful than the creativity of human beings. And students need to believe in the power of their own voice. And I truly believe the assessment is a dialogue between student and teacher. It's a feedback loop. And if I'm not getting feedback that's from my student, how on earth can I give them feedback to let them know what their progress is. Because if I'm not hearing from them, I don't know how to track their progress. And so I tell them that creativity is their superpower and that they need to believe in the power of their voice because their voice is important and they shouldn't be letting AI speak for them. That is not to say that it's not a powerful tool that can be used in different ways. But when it comes to the power of sharing their voice, they should be doing that. And if they're using AI to speak for them, they also need to credit that, uh, just like I am. If I'm using mm -hmm. it, I'm letting them know. And I think that's modeling that behavior is so powerful because students are paying attention. They know what's going on. They're incredibly perceptive. And they can see when you're using it, if you're saying you're using it and you're upfront with them, then they know, okay, that's that's a behavior that I can do. And I think as long as we're modeling that for our students, as well as empowering them to use their own voice, that's what's important. And I think it's really, really difficult in these days where a lot of students are so afraid of failure that it's very difficult for them because that's what I hear when I hear about other people having struggles with students using AI is the students were stressed, the students were overwhelmed, the students were afraid deep down they weren't good enough. And I think that the more we can empower our students, the better. Because when you're reflecting on the reasons why people are using AI, 
it's a little sad. I mean, being so afraid of failure that you would rather have a machine use algorithms to speak for you. It, I mean, that speaks to the mental health of a lot of our students right now. And so I think that SEL and creating that strong community where it's okay to fail and learn because it's on the, it's basically the progress continuum. That's really important. But that that's what I would say about that. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, so I taught virtual school for a long time. And of course, you know, using Google Translate. So whether it's AI or Google Translate, right, that I was always more um, intrigued with the why than the what, because again, there's usually a a reason, there is always a reason why someone cheats, and I'm doing like finger quotes and cheats, right? Like, does like, I like how you said, uses somebody else's work or uses somebody else's voice as opposed to their own, right? And whether it was catching up from being behind, feeling like they weren't able to, to do it, you know, that insecurity of it, that just anxiety around whatever it might be. Um, You know, so I love a lot of what I see with AI, uh, besides being, you know, having teachers, like we talked about being able to create things that are more, you know, specific to your students and meet their needs. But also, like you said, for students to take ownership of that, maybe that practice piece, how they can have a non- um, anxiety producing partner right. um, with that AI to practice, to learn, to do all of that, um, not right. to replace a person and not to replace that end result, but as a way to, you know, lessen some of that anxiety. So w- have you seen any other tools or any other resources that kind of help with that giving, giving that student that first step into finding their own voice in the language through that AI partner? Sure. There's a couple I could talk about. We already talked about Quizlet, which I think is phenomenal for students testing themselves. Um, I think that Conquer can be really good too. And Conquer has the wonderful differentiation tool of having read aloud available for students for accessibility. And so what I tell students to use Conquer for is to create tests for themselves, to create assessment for themselves, to really see how they're doing with the material and see what they need to work on. And I think that's something that's really powerful. And Conquer's made by the same people who make Moat too. So Moat, as we already know, is a fantastic tool. It's a transcription tool. When students can speak into it, it will give them a transcript in the target language. It, it, it can also translate that transcript so quickly. So we already knew Moot's an incredible tool and Conquer really kind of builds off of that to be an assessment tool where students can self-assess. Another one that I have found that's fantastic for presentations, because I know that isn't it the fear of public speaking is above the fear of death for some people? And I think hundred percent. <laughs> I think that uh, that can be the most challenging thing for students is when they have to do a presentation, especially a presentation in the target language. And it was really interesting because my friend who was a Toastmaster actually mentioned this to me, and it's so cool. It's called Udly, and it's a way for students to practice presentations and then get feedback on their presentations from AI. And it will do things like tell you when you sped up, when you slowed down, uh, when you were said things like um and so, as I do, uh, and make sure that you know what you sound like when you're giving a presentation. 
And I almost feel like this should be required for students before they give a presentation in person to get this kind of feedback. And before I figured out this tool, I was having students do this on flip where they would do a practice presentation before they would give a presentation. Because I think that when you're doing something that's presentational, just like presentational writing, when you're doing presentational speaking, this should be something that is practiced. This is something that's not, I'm going to go wing it. This is not a contemporaneous speech. This is going and doing something that is rehearsed. And so by allowing students to rehearse and get that AI feedback, as opposed to giving feedback to all of my students, that can be a very, very powerful tool. As much as I love giving feedback to all of my students, as you said, for for me and for other teachers, sometimes it can be very daunting to give feedback, especially on practice to each and every student. So that's that can be a very powerful tool. And I like what you were saying too about online teaching. I find that when I'm doing Zoom calls, I'm using the Zoom AI feature all the time. Because I love that. As much as I love taking notes during meetings, just having the transcription and having everything. I think we when we met on Zoom, I was playing around with this and it was just unbelievable. And especially if I'm meeting with a student on Zoom or something, it's just incredible that we can have that record of our conversation. So yeah, if people haven't, you know, been a part of it. So, so what Zoom does with that AI, with that AI summary is it doesn't just give you a transcription because, you know, transcriptions are great, but it can be, you're just reading a lot of, you know, it's, it's not user-friendly. So right. the AI summary literally takes the summary of what you are talking about and go and goes ahead and, and gives you like Michelle and Michelle and Marine discussed possible, you know, possibilities of what they might talk about on the, on the podcast. And they decided on, and then it gives like action steps at the end. And, and for me, who is somebody that likes to be in the moment, trying to, yeah. you know, focus on the conversation of what we're, we're doing, uh, that AI summary at the end, because a lot of times I forget to take notes, I'm so engaged. And so <laughs> um, having that summary at the end really helps me kind of wrap my head around and process that. Right. And so that is a wonderful way for students as well to kind of either a trans transcription or like that AI coach, right. um, you know, that AI summary, those are tools that can really help us, you know, um, process our thoughts even a little mm -hmm. bit. And so um, and kind of wrangle in <laughs> the discussions in, in some ways. So um, I've thought about like, you know, ways to, if you had Zoom open and just had it running and recording a class period, for example, or a mm. lesson, like not getting a transcription, but actually getting that summary of what happened that day during class. I, mm. I'm, I'm just, I'm like, there's just a lot of possibilities, I think, with with some of these, um, some of these tools. Sure. I have I some students who are going to be away for an extended absence. And I'm actually thinking of recording class that way for them, because I think that would be so helpful to them to get the summary, I mean, hopefully they'll have time to watch the video too, but if they right. get that summary and the salient points, I think that is also incredibly powerful. So I think that will be a wonderful tool for when students uh, have to be out of the classroom for whatever reason or on yeah. Zoom. And so any, or even having a meeting with a teacher on Zoom, I think that could be really helpful too, because Sometimes you're so yeah. caught up, like you said, in what you're saying, you're not necessarily taking notes carefully. And that could be really, really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of, you mentioned the presentational, right. you know, sort of practice ahead of time and, and, and getting some of those things down, which I think is amazing. 
Have you come across any chat bots that have been effective for language learning? Because like, again, of all the, mo- well, <clears throat> I think we forget in general how stressful we're learning a language yeah, is because sure. you're, you're forced, you're not, well, I, forced, but you're, you're interacting with other human beings and you don't always know what they're going to say. Or if you're, you know, talking to a room of people, you don't always know that reaction. So there's a lot, there is a lot of anxiety, whether or not you're anxious or not, there's always that, that, that affective filter, right. That is really kind of pressing on you. Um, And for me, of course, I didn't have to do presentational speaking, let's say in my classes all the mm-hmm. time. As an adult, I don't always have to do presentational speaking, but I always have to do interpersonal. I always have That's to talk true. one-on-one with other people and not knowing where that conversation's going. Maybe it's just me, but that is always that was always my anxiety. Sure. And so either typing, writing, or speaking now, um, are there some chatbots that you've found that will help students kind of get used to this a little bit more maybe before they have to speak to actual people? <laughs> Absolutely. And there are, if you have GTP4, you can actually use a chatbot extension feature. I think, yeah, I think it's called an extension feature. Um, you, it's like an add-on thing. So you can use that to speak back and forth. But there are some, um, there's some very targeted AI. Um, a couple of them only have waiting lists now because they're so popular where you can chat back and forth. But I've actually used GPT-4 for texting back and forth in the target language. And I had a conversation with GPT-4 where I said, pretend you're Julius Caesar and speak to me in Latin. And I was speaking to it for almost an hour chatting back and forth in Latin. And it was very good Latin. I was pleasantly surprised. It was drawing clearly from Caesar's own writings, which was very cool. But being able to talk to uh, someone in the target language like that, even through texting, was very, very cool. And the technology is getting better and better all the time. Yeah. Um, there's something called Murf AI, M-U-R-F, which does um, non, it doesn't sound as robotic when it speaks to you in the target language. It actually is sounding like more natural speech. And I think that is probably my favorite one. I've been playing around with it a little bit for Spanish. Um, and it sounded, it's sounding better and better. And so I think that the, 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 um, while there is technology right now where you can talk back and forth to AI, I would, if you wait a month or two, it's going to get even better. There's waiting lists now for the best ones because you just, so many people are clamoring for this type of technology. It's something that I think would be effective for many, many students and teachers. But the chatting back and forth is really fun. My only caveat is when my I have my students go on and talk in Latin my caveat is, first of all, I have to make sure it's an AI they can use that's not taking their personal information. And Canva yeah. EDU is really good about that. Quizlet won't do that. Um, there's a lot of ones with very strict privacy policies. Perplexity is one that won't do that. And I love Perplexity because unlike the other GPTs, it actually gives you the sources for all the information it's giving you. So you can click on the website where that information came from. So that's one of the reasons I like that. But when students are chatting back and forth with a chat bot, even if it's in the target language, even if it's pretending to be Cervantes or something like that, you have to say, don't give it your personal information because the algorithms are trained to take whatever it's fed and spit it back out in other places. And so I tell my students, do not give it any personal information. And if something starts asking you for social security number, please just stop talking to it. Right. Um, that is not good. I know that um, some of my students were using the AI chat on Snapchat and mm. were talking to me about it because it was asking them very personal questions. And I don't know if that's because of what they were feeding it or what, but 
it, it was getting to the point where it was inappropriate. And so my best advice to students is when you get that feeling like, wow, this is, this is getting personal, get out of it. Just stop. Don't use it. Because I think that when, when certain things are asking for that, that's, that's a real issue. But I would definitely encourage students if they have, if they want to have kind of a conversation with a character or an historical figure or something like that in the target language, that's something that they absolutely can do as long as they're they're safe about not sharing their private information. I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, because I could think we could be lulled into thinking it's not a real person. Right. It's not bad because I'm not talking to a real person giving them my address, but exactly. you're, you know, we have to make sure. And that's why I think, you know, the, I think it's always hard when any sort of disruptive technology comes onto oh, yeah. the scene. There's this period of time where we have to navigate. Mm-hmm. Like I know there's some teachers that don't want to talk about it at all because then that's going to put ki- you know ideas in students' head for how yeah. they could use it for cheating and then and st- you know et cetera et cetera. Um, and but if we don't talk about it, there are other issues, right? And it's not like Absolutely. they don't know. <laughs> so it's not like they're not, you know, they 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 don't, they can't find this information out on their own. So it's, it's in some ways, I feel like it's my responsibility. It's our responsibility to make sure, like you said, we're modeling appropriate behavior, we're giving sure. credit, we're checking our sources, we're, we're thinking and, and talking out loud of why we're doing these things, mm-hmm. why we're, you know, it's not just so that I'm, I'm not using as a teacher, um, you know, some having chat GPT help me with stories so that I can then, you know, do whatever, you know, not work as much or whatever. I wish, well, I wish that were the case, but, but again, it's usually freeing up my time to then focus on something else that needs to right. be done. Right. Yeah. For um, me, it's individual time with students using exactly. that time to give extra help, using that time to help students in class. And I really like what you said too, because it's so important to be upfront with our students, to be honest with our students, to create that honest communication about what's going on with our students. Because if we deny the reality that AI is here to stay and we try to block it, which I know some districts have done, students are just going to walk down the street to like Starbucks and join their Wi-Fi and then go on AI. And if we don't teach them responsible use, then we're doing our students a disservice because they won't know how to use it necessarily appropriately. And so I think it's much more important at this point to demonstrate proper use and to couple that with really empowering our students to use their own voices and creating that sense of community where it's okay for students to try and fail, because that is what's really important. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a fine line to walk, but <laughs> I, gr- I I mean, I think we can all agree it's not going away. It is right. not going away. Like the, the the pace of acceleration of innovation and, and how fast it's getting so much better. <laughs> all of these new websites, all of these new resources. I mean, I use it for work all the time. And, you know, there are, you know, it's not just in education. It's all these fields are kind of grappling with this. Um, and so this is the... If for no other reason, this is the workforce that, right. that students are going to go into. And we do have ethical issues. We do have things that we want to make sure that we are addressing with them as we are trying to figure all of this out um, as well. Um, and and I think we don't want, I guess what I, I, I we don't want the potential negative impacts mm. of plagiarism and cheating to all to take away then 
some of those positive benefits that we were talking about with differentiation, personalization, you know, giving uh, feedback to students, yeah. you know, meeting the needs of diverse learners, like all of these potentially really um, impactful, it can really, you know, su- you know, supercharge our, our mm-hmm. effective practices in a lot of ways. So we don't want to stay away from it because right. we're, you know, because it is a little ambiguous right now. We, we mm-hmm. just want to be thoughtful in, in how we how we do it, um, I think is the, is the most important. Um, I know you mentioned earlier, so we, you know, we talked about creating resources for teachers, um, you know, the tiered texts and, you know, variety of resources. And I think, you know, I think people would be surprised to find out how you can take one resource and use, um, AI to like, you know, just branch out for so many, in so many different ways. You know, for example, if you create a video, um, Mm -hmm then you can take that transcript and you can put that in a, in a, in an AI sort of thing yep. and you can get a text from it and you can get a, you know, a variety of resources and games and sure. activities and all of that stuff from it. So kind of stacking all of these things, I think can get a little bit confusing at times, but um, there's so much potential for, Oh yeah. For that. And for expansion of, of single resources. Right. Absolutely. Um, I love doing app smashing. I love doing, yes. I use Adafy to get the summaries and the questions for a YouTube video. And then I take that and I put it into an ad puzzle. And so again, these things that would take me a long yeah. time, because I'd have to watch the video while I was watching the video, I would have to do the timestamps. So I'd know when to do the questions, but Adafy does that for me. And it's amazing because then I can use the ad puzzle video that I want to use after using Adafy to do all that work for me and help me out. But I was going to do it anyway, and it gives me good things. And again, I take everything with a grain of salt. I I actually have to look through it and make sure it all works. But at the same time, it's saving me so much time. So the app smashing is really wonderful to be able to use different things. Um, I would say I do that too with things like Canva. So Canva EDU, not only can you create texts, but you can also create posters. You can create presentations. It has this wonderful doc swap where you bring in a presentation and it'll make a doc for you. Then you can use what's in that doc. You can upload it to Quizlet Magic Notes and make a set for students. So you take the presentation that you made originally on Google Slides, you make it into a doc, and then you can make it into a Quizlet set. And it takes you all of a couple minutes. It's amazing. It's amazing wow. all these app smashes you can do to save time. And I think that as Teachers, that is the one thing we're always asking for more of is time, time to reflect, time to really connect with our students, do more meaningful things. And I think that that's what AI can allow us to have is a little bit more time. And that's so important. Oh, I love it. So what would you say? Because I think one of my problems that I have right now is that there's so many resources. Like I attend... I love Joe Dale and he's been on here yeah, and great. I, I, he's fantastic, but my head literally hurts every time I do something with him. Cause there's so many great resources. Oh, like yeah. there's lists and lists and lists and, and there's what, you know, there's the Facebook groups and there's Twitter and there's all these things. Yeah. And so I think sometimes as let's say a novice, sure. you know, learner of AI, like really entering into this it can be extremely overwhelming. Like what tools are worth it? How do you, how do you find, I know you're uh, one of the the ways that I learn is through people like you and, uh, you know, and Joe and, and um, different people, you know, Naomi Rodriguez is another one like that, 
that dig into this for me, yeah. right? And kind of uh, curate these things. Um, but what are your, how do you, what do you recommend for teachers that are kind of new to this so that we don't get overwhelmed and anxious? And now I'm spending all my time trying to chase down AI platforms that are going to save yeah. me time, right? It can be, it can be a rabbit hole that we go That's down as well. And so what do you recommend? There are companies popping up and going down all the time too. And so trying to figure out which ones are tried and true and will continue to be available can be a bit challenging. Some of my favorite ones have gone already or re rebranded. And so I would say um, someone asked me this very same question at actual last weekend. And I said, okay, I'll give you my top five. And those are the ones I have to admit I go to the most often. And they are the ones that work the best for me. Number one is Quizlet Magic Notes and Quizlet um, AI Tutor, because that's the ones I always recommend to my students. My students mostly have Quizlet accounts, and it's something that's really helpful for them. So if I'm thinking about AI and differentiation, that's my go-to. My next is Canva for EDU. I think Canva for EDU is freely available. It's pretty good. And there are just so many different things. If you use the Magic Studio at Canva EDU, you have the capacity to do so many different things. And I really like that Canva EDU has a really strong privacy policy so that you're not worried that your information is going off everywhere because they will not actually run the prompt without your and save that prompt without your permission. So if you run a prompt, it'll run it for you, and then it has it to the side, and it won't save it for you until you give it that permission. So it won't be going into those algorithms unless you allow it to. So that I really like. Diffit is another great one. Diffit is fantastic for differentiation, especially like we were talking about with tiered readings, with creating stories that are tiered towards different levels, like novice, intermediate, and advanced. I would say that Diffit is probably my number three tool. Number four for me would be Magic School. Magic School is great for when you're looking at different activities. Um, if you want just a whole bunch of them, that is fantastic. And my fifth one, I know I mentioned a lot of different sources today, would just be the original, ChatGPT. Because ChatGPT still is the most accessible for different languages. Like as we know, it's not going to update because it was updated years ago. And sometimes, uh, sometimes an update will come and more stuff will come in. But at the same time, I think that even while it can't give you necessarily up to date information, it can give you a lot of different information in many different target languages. And I think that that's really important as language teachers to be able to have access to that. Again, there are other ones I absolutely love, like Udly and Perplexity and Conquer, <laughs> but I'm just yeah I'm top five. I love that. That's exactly what 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 we kind of need. And that's what I kind of need to be able to wrap my head around it is what are the the few that are going to get me started? Yes. That, and a lot of teachers already know how to use Canva to some extent. Oh, so yeah. it won't be totally new. And there's a lot of tutorials and a lot of things out there. Absolutely. Um, I'm seeing much more interest um, at conferences at yes. um state conferences, regional conferences, you know, national conferences, even webinars put on by associations or by individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there are a lot of resources out there um, to kind of help, you know, help teachers kind of dip their toes into it a little bit. But there does seem to be, uh, even in the last few months, much more willingness and interest in using these AI sort of for, you know, teachers to create mm -hmm. and students to, to learn. Absolutely. Is there anything that we haven't mentioned 
um, that you'd really love to talk about before we before we log off that uh, any either resource or any particular um, thing that you've done in your class using AI that maybe you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise or that has enhanced your teaching and or the students learning? That's a really good question. I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else. The biggest thing that I haven't really talked about is the creation of images. I think that the AI creation of images is wonderfully accessible. I have a lot of students who feel very uncomfortable with their own drawing. I also have amazing student artists. But being able to use something like Canva EDU to create images is so powerful. So if they're using images to create cartoons, maybe they want to illustrate what's going on in the text. Maybe students are, I'm giving students an image um, and I'm not the greatest artist in the world, that by any stretch. I do fancy stick figures with hats. But being uh-huh. able to create a fancy image that students can see as a warm-up activity, maybe they can describe it in the target language or something like that, is incredibly powerful. And another tool that's just kind of emerging, which is pretty cool, Synthesia is paid, but it's incredible. But Canva EDU allows you to do this now with um, a couple second video is creating a video using a text prompt. And so that can be a really fun hook for students at the beginning of class. I did one the other day that's a haunted house with a moon rising over it and a werewolf. And it's not super great for um, animals or people yet, but it's pretty cool. Um, And it's fun for students to watch. Again, it's a couple of seconds, but then we can describe what's going on in the target language. So that's the one thing I did not touch on really today, but it's something that is getting better and better all the time. And while I do have some questions about the ethics behind taking other people's art, of course, I feel like art generation, as long as it's done in a way that people know what they're kind of getting mm-hmm. into privacy, is actually a very cool and accessible tool, especially for students that don't feel as comfortable drawing their own things. It The thing that will become important then is what is a powerful prompt you can use? I truly believe that one of the things that's going to come out of all of this AI is the ability for students to ask really good, specific, detailed questions. And I think that's going to be one of the skills our students are going to need in the future, because as long as AI is around, people are going to need to ask really good, detailed prompts to get what they want out of AI. And so that skill is going to be very powerful in the future. I I think it's it's interesting that you mentioned that, because I think um, for ChatGPT in particular, my first thing that I always put in is never exactly in my head. I think it's what I want. And then when I get the result, I'm like, nope, that's not exactly what I want. What do I have to ask to get what I want? How do I have to ask it to be more specific? How do I need to enhance this? And that's the great thing. It's not like Google where you have to do a whole new search and then it gives you other things. Although the Google AI now is... (laughs) is also kind of out there. Right. Um, but you know, it it really it remembers our conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I can say, remember that first paragraph that you right. gave me, add to this, take this out, you know, do this, you know, right. and I can really, as I'm doing that, I am becoming more clear in right. what I want out of this, right? I can see a little bit better as opposed to just shooting off some some piece of, you know, you know, writing or something and then going, okay, that's good enough, you know, and that, and it didn't always do what I wanted it to do. Right. Um, so I love that idea. I think you're right about really asking the right questions, digging deeper, Mm -hmm. finding that deeper, um, you know, desire of what you're really looking for um, in that. 
So, well, wonderful. Well, what any last tips, advice, comments uh, for those teachers out there that are either way into the the AI right now or just kind of getting ready to to jump in? I think it's really important when speaking to students about AI to remember two things. Number one, AI is generative. It is not creative. It is using algorithms to draw upon what has been done before. And I think it's really important for students to not see it as creative because number two, students should believe in the power of their own creativity and their own voice. And I think that the more that we can hit that idea home with students and really make them know that that's what we want to hear. We want to be tracking their progress. We don't want to hear about a computer's progress. We don't really care. Yay, generative AI can do it. So what? We want to know what you can do with the target language. And so I think as language teachers, we need to focus on what students can do and what AI is not. And that is, it is not creative. It will not replace our creativity. So those are my- I love that. I think that's a great way to end it. I think that's a great way to kind of, you know, keep that conversation about what it is, what it isn't, why Mm -hmm. we can use it, why we should, why we shouldn't, right? And so I really appreciate this, Maureen. There's a lot of great um, tips in here and a lot of great ideas. And and we'll have a list of all of the websites that you mentioned, you know, down in the the show notes. And I really appreciate uh, you coming along and talking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Thank you.